Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at, at 5 o'clock in New York and New York uh, East Coast. Uh, John Katsimatidis here, and uh, in the uh, studio we have Richard Weinberg, and uh, he's a common-sense Democrat, and, and Craig Eaton, a common-sense Republican, and, and on my sidekick. I heard you don't want me to call you sidekick. I heard rumors like that. You can call me whatever you want, John. Oh, really? <laughs> is that it. certified? That's it. Now uh, you have it on the record. You can call uh, me and, whatever and, you want. And uh, Lydia Serrani. And uh, Lydia, we have one great show today. And uh, who are we starting with? We are starting with Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He is the uh, where is he? He's a Republican nominee for U.S. Uh, Senate, right? You know That's him. Right. For- I do. Absolutely. In Missouri. And he's a great guy. He's a common sense guy. He's going to tackle crime. He's going to also tackle big tech. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Uh, Attorney General, it's uh, Judge Richard Warnberg. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. So what are the big issues that you're advocating for in the Missouri in your Senate race? I mean, clearly this, you know, inflation uh, is the number one issue for Missourians. I'm sure it's true in New York and across the country that in crime. Um, you know, we've seen since Joe Biden's been in office, inflation increased by 13, over 13 percent. And by the way, inflation's not some natural disaster like a hurricane or a tornado. There's a formula for it. And it turns out if you spend trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and you declare war on domestic energy production, the prices go up on everything. We've seen that. We've seen it at the gas pump. We see that sticker shock every time families go to the grocery store. You're also going to see it in places like here in Missouri where um, people turn their furnaces on this time of year. The uh, the inflation rate for natural gas is up over 33%. So that sticker shock is coming, too. It's just been a total disaster by the Biden administration. My opponent's running to be the 51st vote. This is her campaign, so I'm going to be the 51st vote for this disastrous agenda. So you've got that. You've got crime. You know, as attorney general, we've taken on violent crime. I've personally prosecuted, you know, murderers. We've partnered with other prosecutors to put the bad guys away. And I'm running against somebody who's aligned herself with this to fund the police crowd, including Cori Bush here in Missouri. So, you know, the choice couldn't be any more clear. And, uh, you know, by way of background, too, I grew up in a working class neighborhood. She's of the Anheuser-Busch fortune. She's an heiress. My dad actually worked there for uh, over 20 years working the midnight shift. And I actually gave tours and took out the trash at the estate that she grew up on. So different beliefs, different backgrounds. Uh, but this is a fight to save America, and if the uh, path of majority certainly runs through the Shelby State. You've also been fighting uh, big tech in terms of their censorship. Could you talk about that, please? Yeah, so we've got a landmark lawsuit. Missouri filed this lawsuit against the Biden administration for colluding with big tech to essentially outsource illegal censorship. We all know the government can't censor voices by way of the First Amendment, uh, but that's exactly what they're doing. They're working with the big tech giants to do just that. So in our lawsuit, in the discovery process now, we've actually uncovered documents where they had weekly censorship meetings, especially during COVID. Um, you know, the, the Hunter Biden laptop story was certainly suppressed. 
They had direct communication with senior Facebook officials, with the Surgeon General. I mean, texting back and forth about, hey, we've deplatformed this person. What else can we do? Uh, we've actually just got the court's permission uh, two weeks ago to take the depositions of folks like Jen Psaki and Anthony Fauci. So buckle up on this one. We're exposing a lot of this that, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't want to believe or they had turned a sort of a blind eye to we're exposing it. It's the first lawsuit of its kind. And a lot of this information you see now coming out about this kind of coordination and censorships from our lawsuit. And we're going to keep going. And by the way, I'm going to take that same fighting spirit on big tech issues to the Senate. And uh, I, I think it's just a it's just a fundamental issue right now for our republic. Yeah. Of, I, I can't believe how uh, the people running, you know, whoever's running against you wants to defund the police, and and people in Missouri actually want to go for that. No, they they don't. It, it, listen, she's trying to cozy up to these, uh, you know, the St. Louis mayor, the Kansas City mayor. They're radicals. The radical progressives that ran on this. So she's trying to cozy up to get their votes. Cory Bush is uh, a radical out of St. Louis. She's trying to cozy up to get their votes and hope nobody would notice that she's trying to talk out of both sides of her mouth. Mm. Well, in our most recent ad, she's caught on tape talking about how she just wants to sort of cede this responsibility and she's aligned with the defund the police crowd. And that dog's not going to hunt here in Missouri, I'll tell you that. So I think people are learning more about her record. They don't like what they see. And they know what I've been doing. I've been fighting on behalf of working class families here in Missouri Every step uh, of the Americans, way. Americans, Americans are very, very mad. Enough is enough. You know, b- yep. breaking through the borders, getting drugs, killing our kids. Uh, I mean, Americans are just mad. Uh, Craig Eaton, how do you feel about it? Uh, well, you know, I was just looking. New York, Los Angeles, Pennsylvania, Chicago. Crime is just rampant in the streets. Then add the fentanyl that's coming in through the borders. Uh, it's just crazy. I see you have a double digit lead in a recent poll. That's great news. It is good news. Now, we're being outspent three to one. So if people yeah. want to help, by the way, they can text Schmidt to 30409. we got to get that plug in. But, yeah, the, we, we're in a strong position. I think people want, you know, this is a contrast here. Do you want an out-of-touch limousine liberal, or do you want a fighter for Missouri families? That's the choice. And so um, the polls look good, but we're not taking anything for granted. You know, we're going to run through the tape because there's so much on the line here next Tuesday. Well, it's very important that there's a 51 51- member majority in the United States Senate, because that can control everything, the future of this country, General. That's right. And, you know, we're going to have to move an agenda forward. It's not enough just to get the majority got to do something with it. But a very important role with that will be the oversight role, right, of making sure we bring in, you know, folks from the Department of Justice, making sure we're bringing in Anthony Fauci, got to clear his calendar for 2023, get answers about COVID, get answers about why the, the teachers' unions we're able to convince the CDC to shut down schools and force five-year-olds to wear masks. It's crazy. So in Missouri, I was pushing back against that nonsense, and that's the kind of stuff we need. We need you know, proven fighters in the Senate who are willing to ask tough questions, and they're not worrying about what the polling says, but just doing the right thing. You know, we, we need to stop the lunacy. And you know what? We need to take back the Senate. We need to take back the House, and we need to stop what they're doing in Washington. You know, we need some checks and balances here. The White House is doing whatever they want, and they're destroying this country. That's exactly right. I mean, look, case in point, you had the FBI. You know, you had the National School Boards Association working with Merrick Garland to weaponize the FBI to go after parents who were showing up to school board meetings because they were concerned about what was being taught in their schools. This should not be happening in the United States of America, and I think a reckoning is coming in this country next Tuesday. Well, Godspeed to you. 
I, I agree because enough is enough. Lydia, anything to say? What do you think this says that the fact that we're seeing a lot of these rad- radical progressive candidates, they're losing all the candidates that they back. AOC, what was her scorecard, John, here in New York City? We got Cory Bush, Ilhan Omar. You know, the squad doesn't do so well. So it, it does appear that America is waking up. And by the way, we are speaking to Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. No, I think that's right. And uh, I think, you know, this. that's why this election is so important. I think you know, we've been the freest country in the history of the world. I think we're arguing about big things, not little things. The Democrats are two votes away right now in the Senate from ending the filibuster, packing the court, federalizing our elections, you know, adding states to the union. This is what they want to do. And that's why this election is so important to take the Senate back and get this country back on the right track. Uh, thank you, Attorney General uh, Eric Schmidt, and uh, good luck to, uh, in your race, and, and let's save America. That's, that's all we can do is save America. I mean, some of these people are just plain crazy, and uh, keep fighting for our country. Thank you so much. We'll do it. Thanks, guys. We're going to be taking a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to have Alan Dershowitz. There's so many things happening in the Supreme Court, and uh, let's see what Alan has to say. Uh, breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. Former Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu may scrape a narrow victory. Initial election exit polls have suggested. So that's a big thing. He's on the brink of a comeback. What do you guys think? Well, it's, we, maybe we have to find somebody to tell us something about it. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us. Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard, and also he's got written, what, 50 books now? His latest book, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Professor Dershowitz, well, so many people you. don't have principle, don't have uh, integrity, and can't stand up for what is right. John, you always talk about that, about why do people not have the courage to just speak the truth? I, I because still... it's expensive. Yeah, it, it's it, expensive. it takes a toll. Yeah, John. It takes a toll. Yeah, well, I just don't understand it anymore that our country is going down a sewer right now. And, and and the common sense Democrats, your friends, my friends don't have the courage to stand up and say enough is enough. And yeah, you know, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. You had a great column in The Wall Street Journal talking about the uh, the so-called investigation of the, yeah, the leak yeah. of the draft of the abortion decision. The Dobbs decision. Could you talk about that, please? Sure. Look, I think it's possible that they could find out who did this. Um, Probably it's a law clerk. Maybe it was with the knowledge of a justice. I don't know. But they're guaranteed not to find out who did it by simply having the marshal's office, which isn't equipped to investigate, do the investigation. The marshal's office can't give immunity. It can't issue subpoenas. All it can do is ask law clerks um, to surrender their cell phones or their computers. If they want to, they can. If they don't, they can't. Some of them have lawyers. I don't think it's I don't think the court is incentivized as much as they should be to get to the bottom of this. I think they realize that if they do find out who did it. It will cause even more division than there is today. But I think they have to find out. No, I think you're right. They have to find out because the institution is under uh, is under scrutiny. If they did it once, they can do it again. And it's very important yeah. that this be checked. And they have to send yeah. a message. Yeah. They have to send a message to everyone working at the court, you know, all the lower level staff, that this is something that's going it's to be totally prosecuted. Unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It will be prosecuted. And don't do it. 
Yeah. Look, when I was a law clerk, you weren't even allowed to mention it to your wife or your children. Uh, it was so sacrosanct. Um, indeed, our chambers wasn't allowed to tell law clerks from other chambers uh, what uh, our preliminary decision was until the justice decided to circulate it. Uh, we would just completely close mouths and we were told to be like priests. Uh, you go to your grave with the secrets. You you cannot ever disclose what went on. And, and this was a tactical decision. It was an act of civil disobedience by a law clerk who thought that something would be accomplished. And uh, as Justice Alito correctly pointed out, it gave people an incentive to kill a justice, to murder a justice if that could preserve Roe versus Wade. And we know that somebody did try to kill Justice Kavanaugh. And that's how serious this is. And where's the outrage, by the way, about that uh, attempt against Justice Kavanaugh? I didn't see any outrage. On and the that. New York Times, if you remember, the next day relegated that story to page A20. So it wasn't even like their top story. Yeah, no, there's more of an outrage and there should be an outrage, of course, about the attack on 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 Mr. Pelosi. But this was equally important and it should have been uh, covered more. And I think that I think there's going to be a report eventually. We don't know whether it will be made public, but we know there's going to be a report about the investigation. And I hope it will be made public. The Supreme Court needs to be as transparent as other institutions. And speaking about transparency, I just have to tell you that I listened to every word of the argument yesterday about affirmative action. What I did not hear was truth. I didn't hear it from the lawyers. I didn't hear it from the justices. They're all talking about diversity. The last thing universities want today is real diversity. If they wanted diversity, they should admit more evangelical Christians, more Catholics who believe in the right to life, more people who have an expansive view of the Second Amendment, more people who are critical of climate control. They don't want intellectual diversity. They cancel people like that. They just want a photograph that shows racial diversity. And that's not what the Constitution uh, permits. I'm on Justice Douglas's side. Back in 1970s, in the Defunis case, he said you can use um, disadvantage, you can use economic, you can use all. You cannot use race. Race is an impermissible criteria under the Constitution. I think he's 100 percent right. And the Chief Justice has said that recently as well, hasn't he? I hope so, but we'll see what happens. Chief Justice likes compromises, and there might be a compromise in the court. The court might say another five years. Uh, boy, talk about unprincipled decisions. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Uh, and I don't think it gets another five years. Look, it's done some good, but a lot of things would do good if the Constitution permitted it. The Constitution just doesn't permit it, just like it didn't permit using race to decide who should be confined in camps in 1943 after the Japanese invasion in 1941, the Japanese attack. We can find 110,000 Americans, mostly, who were of Japanese descent. That was using race. I don't think you can use race anyway, positive or negative, because every time you use it positive, you use it negative. Remember, if one group is, quote, underrepresented, that means another group is overrepresented. In the 1920s, President Lowell of Harvard thought Jews were overrepresented. They were 20 percent of the entering class and only 3 percent of the population. So he essentially imposed uh, quotas by the use of a character committee in which Jews always got ranked the lowest. Today, Asian-Americans are ranked the lowest by the same kind of character committee. It's a subterfuge. 
Professor, how well do you know uh, Netanyahu? It looks like there's some breaking news coming out of Israel that he's he's getting close to maybe making a difference. He secures a razor-thin majority. Right. That happened last time, too. I'm going to Israel in a a week, and I'm going to have dinner with Bibi and Sarah. I've known him since he was 22 years old. We're very close friends. Um, uh, We've been friends for years. Um, I never have gone to Israel since he's prime minister and haven't had dinner with him and looking forward to having dinner with him. We'll probably be a little busy. But he'll make time for me, I guarantee you. So uh, we'll see what happens. Wow. Maybe you'll you'll call us from Israel and give us some breaking news. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. But, um, you know, if you don't like the outcome of this Israel election, don't worry. There'll be another one in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Dershowitz, I was talking to my mother's doctor and, and she and he quoted you and he was saying, you know, I, I don't feel like I can even be a Democrat anymore because you have these far left progressives that have taken the party hostage because they're anti-Israel. Whenever you hear them talking about their anti-Zionists, it's because they hate Israel. And he said, I can't I can't in good conscience call myself a Democrat anymore. What do you think about those type of comments? Well, I hope Democrats will remain pro-Israel. Look at Berkeley. Berkeley today, nine clubs say you can't speak about anything. You can't speak about taxes, about abortion, unless you announce that you're not a Zionist. You can be in favor of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You can be in favor of the Chinese detention of the Uyghurs. You can be in favor of uh, Iran killing gays, but you cannot be in favor of Israel's right to exist. If you are, you can't speak. So I can't speak at these clubs. And now these clubs are being financed by big New York law firms, the same law firms that wouldn't hire me in 1961 when I was first in my class, editor-in-chief of the Yale Law Journal and a Supreme Court law clerk. They wouldn't hire me because I was Jewish. Now these same firms are supporting clubs that won't allow me to speak because I'm Jewish as 90 percent of Zionists on the campus of Berkeley are Jewish. So it's a clear anti-Semitic thing. And I want to hear the Democrats oppose it. I want to make sure that Nancy Pelosi doesn't pose on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine with Elon Omer, who's an amazing. I understand Nancy Pelosi is going to go to the Vatican and ask for forgiveness. Uh, well, she should deserve forgiveness for that. She should never oppose and give legitimacy to a bigot and an anti-Semite like Ilan Omer and some of the others on the squad. I completely agree with your description of the extreme left of the Democratic Party. But I voted for Biden precisely because I thought he would be a centrist who would marginalize the extreme left. I think he has done a good job as a centrist, but not a good job in marginalizing the extreme left. Alan Dershowitz, thank you for the update. And uh, we'll My catch pleasure. up with you soon. Sure. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, in not the studio, Larry it's, it's not Larry Kudlow We're in the studio. Curtis Lewa has just walked in to give us an update of what's going on in the streets of New York. Because I understand the governor says we're we're exaggerating. There is no crime. Right. It's just a perception. It's a Republican spin. Curtis Lee, if anybody knows the crime, if it crime, the streets, the subways, it's you. Tell us what's going on. Is it just perception? Is it Republican spin? In fact, crime wave Kathy Holcomb (laughs) tells us that it's a conspiracy. Yes. To uh, cook the books on the stats that we are actually safer in blue states than we would be in red states. Better tell that to everybody who's fleeing to Florida. 
But can you imagine? Last night, Chicago, 14 shot, three children, Philadelphia, New York, all the crime. St. Louis. I mean, it's every state, every city and state in this country. There's, there's murders. Right. She says shootings. it's about the guns, Curtis, right. the guns. But she said you're safer in blue states. Look, we had a 79-year-old man who was on the number one train. We saw the video. These two individuals, uh, African-Americans, beat the living daylights out of him. And he commented, he's a Democrat, he's a liberal progressive. He goes, where are the cops? Uh, I don't see where they, they keep claiming there's cops in the subway. This guy nearly killed me. And then they tell me if I don't come to court on Wednesday that they're going to cut him loose. And you say to yourself, what? The guy nearly killed him. Everybody has seen it on TV. But that's what we're dealing with in Manhattan with Alvin Bragg is that there's a very good chance this guy will be cut loose. And this is going on morning, noon and night. So, so that's where, why. Where, where is the governor coming from when she says that uh, uh, it's all perception that there is no crime? Well, if you had 50 people following you around who are armed state troopers every day, you would say it's a perception also. Uh, she is not connected to reality. And this is going to hurt her dearly because, as you can see, uh, Congressman Zeldin has a path to victory and he's only talking crime because that resonates with everyone, even Democratic moderates. Uh, independence acknowledge that what the uh, governor is saying is hokum. That's why I call her a Kathy crime wave hokum. You know what it is, John? She has no credible response to the increase in crime around New York City and New York State. So that's why she's coming up with this ludicrous thing that it's just... Um, something that's being made up. And she says also that the changes have already been made to bail reform. That's why she doesn't need to revisit it. But the ju- judges just don't understand it. That's what she Judge, said. You don't understand it? I understand it. I understand it's bad legislation. It's bad for public safety. And I would be more than happy to sit down with the governor and explain to her why it's bad law. It gives no discretion to judges to hold people in on public safety grounds. It requires judges to use the least drastic means to guarantee that they come back. And it causes judges to have a hearing where they have the financial ability to meet the bail. So you want to tell me how you hold anybody in on bail today? And also, How long were you a judge? 15 years. Criminal and, court and, and state Supreme Court justice. And all your friends are judges. Some of my friends aren't, but you A lot of them. A lot of my friends are judges. And, and you're I have, getting that feedback. And I, I have lunch with them. I have dinner with them. I talk to them all the time. Their eyes are bleeding. Their head's exploding. They're giving me the reality check. The reality check, there is no safety. There's no law and order. And we're in big trouble unless we get real changes soon. So Hochul's full well, of it when she says the judges just don't understand the bail law. It's Please. delusion. It's delusional. Please. But, you know, we, we can hope that, that next week we elect Republicans to the state Senate and the state assembly. We have some great candidates around the city. And we can hope that maybe we'll we'll elect some moderate Democrats and get rid of the progressives. And then yeah, but, we but can we, change we the we laws. we got to make sure that the moderate Democrats have the ability to, 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 to do the right thing and vote the right way without being beat up by the unmoderate. And, the, and be strong enough to fight Democrats. back. Yeah, to fight back against what the progressives. What do you think, Curtis? Well, I think that if you look at the arrest that was made in... In the drive-by shooting that took place outside of uh, Lee Zeldin's home when he was at a Columbus Day parade in the Bronx before the one that uh, uh, we had our live broadcast from in Manhattan, you'll see the gangs were battling in the streets of Shirley. People can relate to that. They all, Sometimes suburban people say, well, that's the inner city. It's always going to be that. But when they see crimes like this occurring in Shirley at family weekend Sunday at Marist, afternoon at 2 o'clock. Right, but family weekend at Marist College where our own Bill O'Reilly went 
and the man went to check out with his family in the courtyard Marriott, in the Marriott yeah. and they shot 30 shots at him killing him right on the spot people say whoa you're not safe anywhere that's the problem yeah. it's not just a subway you're not safe in a Marriott upstate New York you're not safe anywhere with these guns on the street these guns in the hotels these guns out in the cars we're coming up on a hard break thank you for the update Curtis this is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show in studio. Of course, is John Katzmatidis, Craig Eaton, Judge Weinberg, and myself. And on the line with us right now is Gail Smith. She is the CEO of Impacto Latino Newspaper. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Gail. Hi there. Thank you. Thank you so much. How is everybody doing? Well, great. Gail, give us a reading about the Hispanic community nationwide. Uh, Which way are they going? Which way? You know, a lot of people in the Hispanic community is very religious. And a lot of them are very mad at what's going on in our country. Tell us. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's start with some of the basics, which is Latinos are the second largest group of eligible voters and the fastest growing uh, voter block. Thirty five million eligible vote uh, eligible to vote. However, 77 percent of these Latino registered voters are very dissatisfied with the way things are going in the country. And 54 percent disapprove of Biden. What does this mean? This is a great opening for the for the uh, the Republican Party. I think the Democrats missed their mark by focusing on abortion as the main issue for the midterm. And they're trying to recalibrate now, but I might be too late. So Latino voters definitely do back Democratic candidates, but that support is on decline. Um, Republicans are making inroads to appeal to Latinos. And according to a recent poll by the Washington Post Ipsol poll, uh, Democrats have a 27 percent advantage with Latino voters. But you know what? That's down from a 40 percent Wow. Spread advantage in 2018. So there's definitely a shift. And you're absolutely right, John, when it comes to. Oh, looks like we had a little technical difficulty there with uh, Gail Smith. Or we'll be getting her back on. Do we want her to call back or well, is she on? She's still there. Hold on for us, uh, Gail. Hold on. Hold on. But even that Trafalgar poll is showing that Zeldin and Hochul are neck and neck. I mean, I don't know what, which poll to believe, you know? What do you know? What do you think, yeah, Craig? A lot of, you a lot believe of polls. the poll for November 8th. Yeah, you, at 9 o'clock on November 8th. I'll, I'll agree with that. 9 poll. o'clock at night, November <laughs> no, 8th. I'll agree I'll with that We're going to call uh, Gail Smith back. But in the meantime. What I, happens if they're short votes? They, do they call Philadelphia for votes? <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to bring in the migrants from the border. And they'll have them go in and, and start voting. Well, you know, we, we may not know for weeks who the winner is because, you know, you have the absentee ballots so that'll come in. In a few days the after buses. the election, and then you'll have the Democrats will have other people voting on the ninth. Okay, 10th. we got a uh, Gail Smith back, and you were just telling us about the Hispanic vote, and they're they're leaning right. But haven't Hispanics always leaned right because they're all about family and and God and and uh, hard work? They have a, a whole work ethic. I mean, not to generalize, but that's uh, most of the Hispanics I know. That's that's how they, they are. They are the hardest working people in the city of New York. I mean, think about it. The restaurants, the restaurants, the restaurants, and these businesses. Had- 
Yeah, but they, but they've always uh, they've they've always had a, a tendency to lean to the Democratic side. But like I said, that is changing, and a lot of it has has uh, is changing because of the uh, of the rhetoric of the Democrats. You know, this focus on abortion, which is a very touchy subject for for Latinos. They're very religious, and this goes against the grain. So there's where you see. Uh, the the uh, the uh, um, the lean towards or the losing of, of uh, that advantage that they had um, in in 2018. I mean, they've lost 13 points at, at 13 point advantage in 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 just three years, four years, and and that keeps going if they continue. And then also, uh, Democrats have always taken for granted the Latino vote where Republicans have made an effort to pursue the Latino vote. And I think that's showing. Well, it, it, all started, it all started with George Pataki. I think a, a lot of Latinos love uh, Governor Pataki. Absolutely. When they're moderate uh, Republicans like Pataki, they love it because there's that balance between uh, Latinos are very focused on the economy and but they also care about social issues. So when there's that balance, that is very attractive. Now, interesting, you saw what happened in the 2020 election is Trump got way more votes uh, from from Latinos in 2020 than he did in in uh, in 2016. He moderated his speech. He talked about the issues that were important. He talked about economy. He talked about crime, and and I think that's what uh, rallied the Latinos uh, uh, towards uh, uh, Trump. And now within those Republican Latinos, there's a lot of them, you know, want Trump to run again. You know, there's there there's an overwhelming desire to have Trump run again for president, which is a little bit surprising. But, you know, that's again, it's 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 the discussion, the balance between the economy and and the softer issues that really brings the Latinos, because you're right. You know, uh, historically, they they would be a better fit with the Republican Party than with the Democratic Party. Well, they're, they're, there's no religion anymore in the Democratic Party. And I don't understand why. I mean. Yeah. They were always, uh, and, and they're against the Jews. They're, 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 they're uh, I mean, Judge, are they, are they, aren't they not pro-Jewish? Well, they used to, the Democratic Party used to be supporters of uh, the Jewish community and of Israel, and they've walked away from it. They've allowed the so squad not, to dictate the agenda. So if they, if they don't love uh, uh, religion and uh, the churches and and the Jews, I mean, where are they? How come? It's, it's, it's like they're obsessed with the environment, the transgender stuff, the rainbow flag. That, that appears to be their, their new religion. But thank you so much, Gail Smith, CEO of Impacto Latino Newspaper, always coming in with the facts and the truth. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and uh, my best to all of you. Thank God you. Bless. Now on the line for us, we have Queen City Councilman Robert Holden. Question for you. You're a Democrat. Why are you voting for Lee Zeldin? And you, you are a strong supporter of Lee Zeldin as well. Yeah, and I've endorsed him. I cross party lines. Why? Take a look around you. <laughs> look at what's happening in New York City and New York State. I mean, people are leaving in record numbers. Everyone knows of somebody that left, a friend that left, uh, a relative, 
people are just fed up. I mean, look at look at the chaos in New York City as you walk outside. There's just lawlessness everywhere. I had an incident in my district today down the street from my office. Somebody jumped out of a car and started attacking a, a senior. It, it's it's crazy out there. And the cops really they come there and oh, uh, you know, they they really don't know what to do many times. They're, they're new cops. They don't want to engage. And we're we're at a desperate straits here. I mean, um, and this is all under Kathy Hochul. I blame her for the last 14 months. In fact, three years she's been around. Now, you're a common sense Democrat. Yeah. Why so many common sense Democrats don't stand up against the crazy ones? I, I don't get it. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, but I go off, you know, my own way. I just look at what's happening. I look at who's going to bring safety to my district because everyone's concerned. My wife won't take the subway. She's afraid to go down in the subway. She's Asian American. She will not and, and it, we'll take it one stop. She won't even do that. So this is what other people are saying to me. Um, and if you look after, you know, if you look at why this is happening. So after 27 straight years of crime going down, Along comes cashless bail in October of 2019. And guess what happened? Crime rose immediately, 32%. So under three years now since then, and under Kathy Hochul's leadership, quote-unquote, um, murders up 32%, robbery 32%, you know, felony assaults 24%, burglary 49%, grand larceny 20%, auto theft 148%. Now, you, you remember when, uh, John, you remember when Rudy was around, in, Rudy Giuliani, in, in the 90s, and I lived through that period. We saw him turn around New York City in, in at least two terms. He did it. And he, you know, cut crime uh, along with uh, Commissioner, Police Commissioner Bratton. He did the broken windows theory of policing, which works. That's the blueprint. And yet we're ignoring that. Commissioner Kelly, too. He said it's not rocket science. This isn't brain surgery. We we know how to do it. And if you walk on the streets here in Manhattan, you see people shooting up, slowly decaying and committing suicide, essentially. And we're not doing anything about it. I don't understand how any of this is humane, not not only for the criminals themselves and for the drug addicts, but of course, for the innocent New Yorkers that just want to go home or go to work or go to go to church. Yeah, they they plopped uh, de Blasio. Uh, the worst mayor in New York City history, uh, and I'll even go back to Jimmy Walker, I would say de Blasio is by far uh, the worst mayor because he put a homeless shelter in my district. 180 men are in there now, and you see them shooting up in the street. Laying, you know, they're, uh, they're on the uh, sidewalk, um, and they're just laying there and uh, drunk. They're shooting up in the we, – we have uh, images of them shooting up in the, um, the shelter. Tell us where your district is, the it's um it's that that's in Glendale, but it's Middle Village, Maspeth. Again, a solid middle class neighborhoods, and we're being inundated with crime now, and it's disgusting. We were always a very very safe district. It's changed, and it changed. It started to change under De Blasio, and of course Hulkel. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Councilman Robert Holden, and for having the courage to speak up and, and putting the people before the party. Thank you so much. Exactly. Thank you so much, everyone. Now let's go to Doug Schoen. He's a political analyst, author, commentator. He tells it like it is. He's one of the nation's most respected Democratic political strategists. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Doug Schoen. I'm pleased to be here, and thanks for the kind introduction. Well, Doug, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. You just wrote a piece with Andy Stein in the Wall Street Journal. Why don't you tell us about it? In terms yeah, of the polls and the what direction. What we're predicting is a red wave. We're 
saying that the uh, elections are going to provide about a 30, 35 seat or potentially more majority for the Republicans in the House and that the Senate most likely, not certainly, but most likely 51, 52 seats for the Republicans, giving them a clear control and a clear mandate uh, for the future. Doug Schoen, what did you think of Kathy Hochul during the debate with Lee Zeldin? It was kind of an almost let him eat cake moment when she said, why are you so obsessed with crime? And then you would think she'd say, "Okay, wow, I shouldn't have said that because crime is a big deal. Overall crime in New York City is up 32 percent. And then she comes out and say that crime is a GOP conspiracy and that Republicans are master manipulators. Who is advising this lady? I don't know who's advising her, but she's wrong. And crime is a serious issue, as Councilman Holden just said, and as anyone who walks the streets in New York can tell and can see. I've seen it constantly in my own travels, what the Councilman said, you see all over the city. And this is a very scary time, and it's a scary time politically for uh, Kathy Hochul because she clearly doesn't get it. She's clueless Kathy. That's what I call her. What do you think about what's going on in Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Arizona? we got a lot of key races going on. So I guess we'll start off with what Pennsylvania, because it's a very purple state and it looks like Fetterman and Oz are neck and neck there. Yeah. And, and I the momentum has been with Dr. Oz. I know there have been polls on both sides, some showing it even or Dr. Oz slightly ahead, others showing Fetterman ahead. But um uh, the generic vote in the state is pro-Republican. Uh, the gubernatorial race will probably help Fetterman uh, is going to go for Josh Shapiro. But that one's a toss up. That's about the simplest way I can put that. I mean, I don't understand. This is Craig Eaton. I, I listened to Fetterman this morning, some of his recent statements, and, and I listened to some of the snippets from his debate. I mean, this guy is not ready to be a U.S. senator. Obviously, I mean, maybe he's got some residual effects from his stroke. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, he's not ready to be a U.S. senator. I don't know why the Democrats in Pennsylvania can't figure this out. Because they don't care. I don't They, You know, someone needs to stand up. I mean, Dr. Oz is an intelligent guy. I mean, well he's, he's a great candidate for, for U.S. Senate. And aside from Fetterman's mental disabilities or whatever is going on with him. Radical politics. Radical politics. He wants to empty the jails. I mean, he wants to have an open air drug use all over and he wants to basically like john says turn all of pennsylvania into philadelphia and he's also against the independence and and fracking fracking and what happens john if they if they can just get rid of fracking altogether what happens in pennsylvania well the price of oil goes up the price of gasoline goes up price of heating oil goes up right and we already already have a diesel fuel shortage and and that in that uh michigan uh election with the uh, the governor, the governor General. General. Tudor uh, Dixon, Gretchen Whitmer, where uh, she wants to t- turn off the pipeline. To t- if she turns off that pipeline, oil goes to one hundred fifty dollars a barrel. What do you think yeah, is going on there with Doug, Doug Schoen? How how close is that race? She is outspending Whitmer, Tudor Dixon by ten to one, and the race is again within the margin of error. Whitmer's slightly ahead but by no means certain to be uh, reelected. What about Arizona, Carrie Lake, uh, Katie Hobbs there? Slight advantage, Carrie Lake, from what I see. And Blake Masters has been gaining on Mark Kelly steadily. uh, And the race is effectively deadlocked with the momentum with Blake Masters. And what about Nevada? Lex Holtz race. 
you know, a few polls out, one from the Times recently showing the race deadlocked, uh, other polls showing Laxalt a point or two ahead. I think Laxalt prevails. And what about Georgia with Herschel Walker? You know, uh, there are some polls on, on both sides of Journal Constitution in Atlanta has Walker up one, New York Times has um, uh, Warnock up four or five. That one could be heading to a runoff in December. You know, it's interesting that Barack Obama came out, Biden's coming out to campaign. Kamala Harris, nowhere to be found. Is, is that purposely done? They sent her to Boston today. Uh, Not quite sure why, but that's where it was. Well, you got some breaking news here. What do you got some breaking news? Biden again claims his son Bo died in Iraq. So he mixed it up. He died of a, a brain tumor. A brain, yeah. it, his death was Sad. tragic. Yeah. Very tragic, but it was not obviously in Iraq. Well, maybe he was trying to say, because I know he was part of like the burn piles or something like that in Iraq, and they think that's what may have caused his brain cancer. Well, I'm trying to help. Maybe, and, and look, I, I don't mean to castigate and wound castigate the president, given him talking about this great personal tragedy and tragedy for us all about Bo Biden. But um, I think Joe Biden has not been a great asset on the trail. For Democrats this year. I think that's fair to say. That is fair to say. Thank you so much, Doug Schoen, for always, always keeping it real. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back, and uh, now uh, let's go to the Bronx, and I understand uh, there's some uh, uh, assembly people running for assembly in the Bronx that that are mad as hell on this uh, whole crime issue. Uh, Tell us, uh, Craig, Craig Eaton. Yeah, John, we have we have a common sense um, candidate here for the assembly, a law and order candidate, a good friend of mine who was the chairman in the Bronx of the Republican Party when I was the chairman in Brooklyn. John, what do you have to say? John about Greeny. This race? John Greeny. What do you have to say about this case? What made you decide to run? Hi, John. I'm glad to be with you tonight. Well, I'm tired of the no common sense in all whatsoever. It seems like. Uh, my opponent and all the uh, Democrats are locked up with a, a left-wing message about defunding the police. How do we expect to bring crime down out here if we're not for the cops on the beat? we got to take the handcuffs off the cops and put them on the, back on the criminals. It's like my opponent with the cashless bail. He's for it. I'm 100% against this. It's just There's no common sense whatsoever in Albany today. Well, you know, John, this is Craig. We have to take the handcuffs off the cops, the judges and the poli- and, and the prosecutors. And, and what are you seeing in the Bronx these days as far as crime and crime rates? The Bronx is the highest crime rate in New York City. Wow. We, we hear the mayor, we hear the governor talk about crime is down 14 percent, murder is down 13, 12 percent, whatever the numbers they throw about us every day. And it's going it's up and up and up. I mean, recently I see a Pelham Bay, there was a mugging in Pelham Bay last night. There's a crime in our neighborhood. Every neighborhood in the Bronx has crime. You read the police blotter at every precinct. They are out there every night, six, seven, eight. Now, you're, you're, running, you're running for the assembly, and tell us the area you're running in. I'm running in the 80th Assembly District, which encompasses Co-op City and Thrive's Neck in the Bronx, Westchester Square and Pelham Bay. Now, you uh, swear to those people that if you get elected, you are for law and order, and you're going to provide law and order for those people in that in that district? John, I'm a law and order candidate. I was director of enforcement of the Rudy Giuliani 
Yeah, I worked out of OEM. I'm an Air Force veteran, 911 responder. Back these cops 1,000%, John. John Greeny, what do you? What are the people in the Bronx saying? I'm from the Bronx. I know a lot of people there. They're they're mad as hell too. They're sick and tired of the crime. They don't want to defund the police. They're not for this regressive movement that's going on. Well, you, you, you get these elected officials who want to defund the police. It's at the point, point they're, they're out there to say it. They don't come out. They don't come out in favor of the cops. We have the rally for the cashless bond. The rallies uh, in front of Bragg's office downtown, up here in the 161st Street, the DA's office. They're nowhere to be seen. It's community groups that are out there behind me and the other Republican candidates up here. They're all made as hell up here. Uh, tell so, us yeah. your website. My website is grainy, G-R-E-A-N-E-Y, 82.com. All right, grainy, G-R-E-A-N-E-Y. 82.com, correct? Dot com. All right. And also my opponent, he's the chairman of the education committee and the Bronx is number two in failing schools. It's a shame. You know what, John? I was up at the Bronx Republican dinner a few weeks ago, and it was amazing. The energy in the room there with your chairman there, the energy. There were so many candidates and so many people there. Godspeed to you and to the rest of the ticket up in the Bronx. Hopefully we get Lee Zeldin as our next governor, Allison Esposito, and the rest we of the Republican team. We want law and order. Team. We want law and order in New York City and yeah. New York State. We need to turn the tide. We need to change this. It's from the top down. And, and John and, and, and Lydia and Greg, thank you so much for backing me. Huh? Well, I thank you so it. much. Thank you thank so you, much. John. Keep fighting for America. Keep fighting for New York. And uh, Craig, thank you for coming in today. And uh, and Judge Weinberg, uh, thank you for being here every day. Oh, and, and by the way, join 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazza as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation on Thursday, November 3rd, with special guests and commentary, 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda back the blue. We always back the blue, right, So we're John? going to be backing the blue all day on Thursday, respecting the people in blue. And I understand that uh, we think the police commissioner is coming along with the police commissioners of Nassau County, Suffolk County. The DA of Suffolk County. The cops just want to do their jobs and to take federal, pride in their uniforms, the in the community, and DEA, they want FBI, to keep us safe. ATF, That's they, it. They'll be there as well. Well, thank you one and all for listening. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. God bless New York. God bless America. Thank you for listening today. And let's take back America, please. You've got it. Seven days. Please go out and vote. Seven days left to save New York. God bless. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.